0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling and Danny Fleck in his weekly spot on this uh, Divisional Saturday, January 16th. Danny, good morning. Morning. In the first time we were doing this that we had to stop because of a technical issue, I asked you if you thought it would be one as, as one-sided as it wound up being for the national championship game and you said no when you were about to say that you thought losing Trey Sermon was a big loss for Ohio State. I
1: did, I thought that it took away some of the, obviously, he mean, provides he provided different skill sets than the other running backs they have. I thought that once Ohio State went away from the run and were trying to get, you know, just simple passes down the field that, you know, another option like serving would have been good for them. But I think we saw in that, in that game that Alabama's offense was just too good, too unpredictable. Um, they found a way to get, you know, Smith the ball. Having 200 yards receiving and a half is just unbelievable. So you had to your hat to, to what Alabama was able to do, what Devontae Smith was able to do. And, you know, Matt Jones being able to get him the ball, I mean, it was just a really impressive performance
0: overall. And I think also they got mismatches. They got wide receivers up against linebackers. They got tight ends up against people who should not be covering tight ends. Sark and Nick worked this perfectly to where they got the matchups they wanted and there was nothing Ryan Day and Ohio State could do to respond, and you also felt that the targeting call was a big turning point.
1: Yeah, because at that point, you know, Ohio State was down by seven, they, that was a third down play, so they were going to be kicking a field goal there once that penalty came. They got a new set of downs, they weren't able to punch it in, and I thought at that point if Ohio State wasn't able to keep it within a one-score game going into halftime with Alabama getting the ball, that they were going to be in big trouble. They ended up settling for a field goal there. I think Alabama's defense rallied around that call, and then from there Alabama scored a touchdown, stopped them on three and now, and then scored again. It was 35-17 in a blink of an eye, and they got the ball back to start the second half. So, I thought that that play right there was a big turning point because you know, Ohio State a new center down, wasn't able to make it 21-21, and then Alabama just put their foot on the gas and ran away with it.
0: Where does this rank in terms of the Alabama national championship teams in this era.
1: I mean, I think personally, it's the best offense they've ever had. Um, I I don't think another offense comes comes close to what they've done. Defensively, they've been better Alabama teams, but it just goes to show you how the game has shifted and what Nick Saban's priorities have been in recruiting. They still get some of the best athletes on defense. Um, you know, just by looking at you know their defensive line, that Barmore kid, and then Patrick in that corner, those are two top twenty picks this year coming up. But the way that he shifted his recruiting and his philosophy, and being able to bring in more dynamic players on offense, uh, more diverse players that can you know do you know run a bunch of different schemes and play in different a bunch of different positions, has really just shown how he's adjusted. You know, Alabama is going to work in. You might think it's boring, but you got to give, you know, a bunch of credit to Nick
0: David and his ability to adopt the philosophy to what, you know, the trends that are going on right now. Um, why should the Jets pick Justin Fields and not Devontae Smith, please? I, I want Devontae so much. He's a playmaker. Why do we need a draft Fields or trade the pick?
1: I think there are a number of reasons why. You know, Devontae Smith is a great wide receiver, but a lot of times wide receivers aren't valued at the same way that quarterbacks are. Wide receivers are deep, and you you can just look at a number of great NFL wide receivers that weren't picked in the top ten. Um, Wide receivers rarely get picked in the top ten, and I think it's because of the depth of that position you don't get a quarterback in the second round that's usually going to start for you. So if, you, if you're the Jets, it's, it's a simple calculation. It's, are we keeping Darnold? Are we signing him long term? Yes. If so, you, you build around him. If you're not, then you have to take a, a quarterback in the top five if that's where you're picking.
0: Uh, Danny Flecha with us here on Teeing It Up. All right, let's move to the NFL. And please explain to me why the game that I think could be the biggest blowout, Green Bay over Los Angeles, has a a six-and-a-half-point line and a game that I think is going to be super close, Kansas City-Cleveland, is a ten-point line.
1: I don't know why. To be honest with you, I think both lines are about right. You know, Kansas City has been playing with fire, I think, the last couple of weeks. They haven't been able to blow teams out. They've been playing a lot of one-score games. Cleveland's defense, I think, it's definitely overmatched in this game. You know, and looking at you know Green Bay and Los Angeles, I think it's just a testament to the way Los Angeles has been playing defense and number one defense in the league. and a top, cornerback, the best defensive player in the game is Aaron Donald. So it's going to be an interesting game. Both sides, I think, that Green Bay is going to get a lot more resistance than Kansas City will. I um, mean, you know, defensively, that is, but I think both lines are about right. You know, Green Bay has been playing at a different level this year. Aaron Rodgers has been playing at a different level. Their defense seems to be a little bit more well-rounded, not as, as uh, you know, top-heavy, um, you know, on the defensive line. Their secondaries has been playing much better this year. But I think Los Angeles presents a ton of problems for Green Bay. And I think the say that Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams isn't going to be
0: enough in this game. But you are looking at an offense in Los Angeles with the Rams that's going to have to start Jared Goff. We know he's not right. Cooper Cup is a game-time decision. And who, who A M, and B, who knows what Aaron Donald's, you know, how, how close to 100% he is. But if golf is ineffective, you are now relying on Blake Bortles. Um, This to me just does not add up to the Rams hanging in there. And instead, unless Cam Akers can do big time, time of possession, I think Green Bay rolls and it's not even close.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at who's calling the plays. That's John and He's proven the past three, four years, to be able to adjust to what he had out there. You know, the first couple of years he was in L.A., they were a run-and-shoot team. They were going three wide receivers at a time, you know, when they had Cup, Woods, and um, Cook. They were airing the ball out, and he's kind of shifted his philosophy a little bit. They've so invested in the offensive line. They have two good tight ends that know how to block and run patterns. He invested in the running back position getting younger there, and it's really gone more to, you know, two wide receivers, two tight ends, and really work a lot on, you know, that intermediate game for that offense. I just love the way he game plans, and I love the way he put the team in a position to succeed. On the other side of the ball, too, they've been really good at that game playing again this year. There's no doubt in my mind that, you know, they're going to have trouble with Green Bay, but I'm just looking at what the Rams have done from a game plan perspective every single week this year. You know, throw the Jets team out the window. It was what it was, but you know, L.A. has been playing really, really well. They've been playing you know, fundamental football, McVay is one of the best play callers and game planners I think in the NFL, you know, today. And it's going to be interesting to see which sideline, you know, wins this matchup. Is it going to be McVay and Staley or is it going to be Pettin and, and LaFleur? So it's going to be, you know, I, I think a battle of X's and O's. And I think the key for L.A. is to keep it close. One possession game, don't turn the ball over. Make sure that you're executing on third and short and getting those first downs to continue that, that drive and time of possession. And, and we'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to be a close game. There's nothing here to me that shows that Green Bay should roll with this game. I, I think the Rams are being a little bit underrated, to be honest with you. I understand all those things about golf, but if they're not asking Goff to throw the ball 40 times a game, and they're asking him they to play action, they're asking him you to know, play short, maybe some screens here and there. I think the Rams can win this game. Honestly, I really do. I think Green Bay has had a tough schedule. The best defenses they played were the Saints and the Bucks, and those were in weeks four and five. I just think the Rams are going to present a lot more issues for the Packers than a lot of people think.
0: Interesting. We shall see how this plays out uh, today at 435. Now, my issue with Kansas City-Cleveland is that look – go back to last year – Kansas City was slow to start in the AFC Championship game, slow to start in the Super Bowl, needed a monumental comeback from Patrick Mahomes and company. I totally agree that on paper, Kansas City is way better than Cleveland, but Cleveland is riding a high. Kansas City has not played in two weeks, they have not had their offensive unit together on the field at the same time since week 16. We've seen some teams have problems who have not been together for a while. What's your read on, or, or just what's your thoughts after hearing this hypothesis from me? I think that if you're
1: Cleveland, you have to go in with a, a similar game plan that we saw Tennessee did last year in that in AFC that Championship game. You have to control the clock. And I know it's so cliche, it's easy out as far as the analysis of the game. But honestly, the only way you're going to beat that team is by limiting possession. You can't give Patrick Mahomes the ball 10-12 to 12 times a game. You can't give him short field. And you got to be able to, you know, cause a turnover if you can. So I think what Cleveland needs to do is run the ball. And again, it's an easy analysis, but sometimes it's just that. you got to be able to run the ball, control the clock, convert on third down, you know, execute in the red zone, get touchdowns, and again, keep it to one-possession game. I, I think the biggest thing that you can see Cleveland do here is panic. You know, they get down seven, you know, in the second quarter, and they abandon their game plan. I think they can have a lot of success by running the ball, using their tight end, you know, using that intermediate area of the field. And then taking their shots when they have to, but I don't think they're going to have to take shots. I think they can just run the ball and use the play action to take advantage of that 10 to 15 yard area of the field from the line of scrimmage. That that's my analysis. That's the way I would be looking at it if I was a Cleveland coach. Is like let's just take advantage of what we have. We have a good offensive line. Our quarterback doesn't get sacked. Let's use, you know let's use play action. Let's use our run game. We have two good running backs, and let's hope that our defense can hold enough. To give us an opportunity to win the game, with the, you know, win the game with the last drive in the, uh, of the game. That's the only way I think Cleveland stays in. This. If they panic, if they abandon their game plan, if they're out there trying to do a, a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, they're going they're going to lose. So if they can stick to what their identity is, I think they're going to have a great opportunity in this
0: game. Tonight on NBC with snow showers in the forecast, it's Buffalo and Baltimore. Baltimore is arguably the hottest team in football. Buffalo riding high off their first playoff winning forever and they're doing it at home in the snow and Bill's Mafia and the whole nine yards. To me, this game is about turnovers. If Lamar Jackson can limit the turnovers and use his legs to his advantage, I think they have a chance. And Josh Allen needs to limit his turnovers. I, th- I think Buffalo is the better team on paper, but I have no idea who wins this game.
1: Yeah, I, I think if this game comes down to who is tougher, Who's going to own the line of scrimmage? Is it going to be Baltimore or is it going to be Buffalo? Uh, and my my analysis is it's going to be Baltimore. They Their run per team, their physical defensive line, they have some really dynamic you know, running backs with Edwards and Dobbins and then throw in Lamar Jackson. I, I think Baltimore overall presents themselves as the better team in this matchup. Yes, Buffalo, I think, overall is a better team, and I'd love to see them win. I just think this is a terrible matchup for them. I think that Baltimore, if they can control the time of possession, they can limit Lamar Jackson um, you know, throwing attempts, or at least you know obvious throwing down, then they're going to be able to win this game. And The key for Baltimore, again, too, I think we're going to say this for every single game, is to keep the game close. They were fortunate last week going down 10 that they were able to come back. You know, that's something that they don't usually do. But if you're Buffalo, your key to success in this game is to get up by a touchdown or more and force Baltimore to abandon their run game. So if they're able to do that, Baltimore's in trouble, I think. But I do think Baltimore overall is going to be able to execute the way that they want to just because I think Buffalo's defense isn't as good as it's been in the past. Their run defense... There's a little to be desired. And take a look at last week's game. Indianapolis, I thought, did everything they wanted to offensively. These they just did not execute in the you know, forty yard line and in on the Buffalo side of the field. If Baltimore's able to do that, I think I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, if Baltimore is able to do that, I think that they're gonna have a great opportunity in this game. And then I think on the flip side, if you force Buffalo to panic a bit and to make sure that they don't have any any run game opportunities, and they have to throw the ball, I think Baltimore's going to have an opportunity that causes Josh Allen issues, so, you know, we'll see, uh, I think it's going to be, a, I think it's the best game of the weekend, to be honest with you um, hopefully it is uh, and I'm not just uh, saying that, but we'll, we'll see, I think Baltimore, though, has the edge in this game, and I'm thinking Baltimore
0: um tonight's, a, uh, sorry, t- uh, tomorrow night's a toss-up for me, I, I don't, I, I think that Especially if Taysom Hill can't go. I think that Tampa, on, on paper, is probably the better team. But I, I just don't know Tom Brady in the playoffs. Um, and you put him in a position here where... Um, it, it, last week was easy for them because of who Washington's qu- our quarterback was. To me, this is an easier, easier, easier game. Um, sorry, uh, let me back up. Last week, I think, was, a, was, was not a good test for them in terms of trying to figure out what their identity is in the playoffs. I think this week's a much better one. I think that New Orleans can either be really hot or really cold, and that's the inconsistency that comes with a modern-day Drew Brees. So I'm not sure who wins this game. And I think it could come down to who has the uh, ball last.
1: Yeah, my concern is Drew Brees, and I think that you know Tampa Bay's run defense can limit a little bit of what the Saints do offensively. And you're then going to be asking Drew Brees to throw the ball, and I just don't know what he has left in the tank. And I think the opportunity to go against Brady in the playoffs is going to provide him some juice. But when I watch. Tampa last week, and I watched the Saints last week, I came away saying, wow, Brady looks good. He looks spry. His arm it, it was strong. Yep. And I watched Drew Brees, and I was like, oh, man, like, I just don't know. And, and they let Chicago hang around that game, and because of the, and the aptitude of Chicago, they were still able to win that game pretty comfortably. I, I think this game means more to Tampa than it does the Saints just because they've gotten their butts kicked twice by them. I think they're going to come out aggressive. I think they're going to try to take it to them. Um, hopefully, they're able to execute and, you know, force the Saints to be uncomfortable. Um, but, again, I think it comes down to which which quarterback are you willing to back in this game. I, I mean, if this was Brady and New England and, and they were getting three points, I'd be like, oh, absolutely, take take New England. But because it's Bruce Arians and Byron Lethwich on the other side calling the play. I'm a little worried because they don't have the same mentality as, as Tom Brady does, and they don't have the same experience as Bill Belichick does in these types of games. So hopefully if you're Bruce Arians and you're Byron Leftwich, you're leaning on Brady and saying, all right, this week we know what we've, what we've done bad against the Saints. What can we do better? How can we do it better? And how can we put you in a position to be able to call plays place to go of scrimmage, call those checks, get into a run play if you see that it's an advantage, and not stick to what's being called, because I think that's what's going to have to happen, that Ava Bay is going to have to adjust on the fly to what they're seeing defensively from the same. and let Tom Brady do what he does best, and that's, you know, make the right decision. For that, I think that they're going to do that, and that's why I'm backing the Bucks in this game, because I think that Brady just has a lot more left to offer at this point than Brees does.
0: So... In summary, seven days from now, we are previewing an AFC and NFC Championship game that contains...
1: I think we're going to see the Packers versus the Bucks up in Lambeau, and I think we're going to see Kansas City versus Baltimore.
0: I think we're going to see the Packers uh, versus the Bucks, and I think we're going to see the Bills versus the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, the, the
1: Baltimore-Buffalo game is the hardest one for me to pick. Um, but, again, I, I think that they're just a tougher team. They're more physical. Um, and, with, and with Lamar Jackson, I think they just have an added element that they're going to be able to, to exploit Buffalo's
0: defense with. Should be an awesome weekend. Should be uh, some fascinating games, and hopefully all of them are competitive. We don't want any blowouts in this round. That's what makes football boring and we just experienced that on Monday where that game was over at midnight sorry was over at halftime and I felt very comfortable going to sleep nice and early Danny Flecka thank you as always for joining us on teeing it up
1: no problem my man have a great weekend you
0: got it and same to you